Okay, so before we jump into the passage, I want to just do a little thought exercise. And you can, you can close your eyes or you can keep your eyes open. But if you were to think about your life this past week or, or the past month, but just kind of your day-to-day life, when you think about the things that make you anxious, what are those things? When you think about the things that you are putting a lot of effort into, trying to make sure they do happen, trying to make sure they don't happen. When you think about yourself and think about maybe self-improvement, whether that's um, how you look or how successful you are or um, whatever it is, but just try try to spend some time thinking about those things. And really what we're, we're getting at underneath all of those kind of questions is like, what, what, is, what is it to be okay for you? Like, what is it to, what, what is a good, good place to be? Where are you trying to get yourself? Where are you trying to stay? What, what is that definition for you of what it means to be okay or, or in a good place or um, something worth putting your effort into? Okay, and I want you to hold on to that. And probably for for most of us, um, the answers that we give are going to be essentially um, making us like the man in this passage. Um, This is a passage where Jesus is encountering uh, a young man who is, he's young, so, so age is, is not an issue yet. Um, he's, he's got a lot of energy. He's got a lot of youth. His, his body is not falling apart yet. Um, he is wealthy. He has a lot of options because of his wealth. He's not stuck. He is successful. He holds standing in his community. He's somebody that people in his community would look at and say, wow, that guy really did it. Like he's doing it. Um, and he was good. He's a good man. He, he didn't get to the top by cheating or, uh, or anything else. He's, he's a good, moral man. And if you take those four things, um, young, successful, wealthy, and good, probably some combination of those things is, is what was rolling around in our minds when we were thinking about what are the things I'm trying to get to or trying to avoid, or, or what is it that I'm hoping for, or what is, what is the, good, the good life? Um, and Jesus has some things to say to us about that. And we're, we're in this series um, called Be Curious. Um, and it's, it's this, what we're doing is we're exploring Jesus as, as best we can with only the help of the Holy Spirit can we do that, with fresh eyes. Who is Jesus? When we live in the South in 2022, um, we have probably gathered a lot of stuff along the way in our bags of who we think Jesus is. Um, things that were given to us by well-meaning people, things that were given to us by very hurtful people, things that we've tried to pick up for ourselves if we've read Wikipedia pages about Jesus and read the Bible and been in Bible studies. You know, it's, we're just amassing all of this clutter around who is Jesus and what is he like and what does he want for me and what is, what is he all about? 
Um, and what we want to do is in this passage, we are looking at Jesus as he is encountering people for the very first time. And we are trying as best we can to look through their eyes to encounter Jesus for the first time and to see, let's just see what he says about himself. Let's see what he was focused on and what he was saying and what he, where he was trying to get people to go. Um, and just see, um, because I don't really want um, I mean, I do want sometimes to follow a Jesus that I made up myself because it's more fun sometimes for me, but um, I need to know who he really is, not just who I think he is or who someone else told me he is. And so um, that's where we're going. And, and the thing about Jesus is usually he surprises us. Um, he doesn't ever quite say the thing that we think he's going to say. He doesn't ever quite focus on the thing that we think is important. Um, he doesn't have the same reactions that we would have to people and situations. And so um, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 19. Um, and we're going to start in verse 16. And who's, who's reading our passage this morning? Chris, come on up, man. Um, and as Chris comes up, this is a, uh, a passage where um, Jesus is exposing our, pro our poverty to give us true wealth. The scripture reading is Matthew 19, 16 through 26. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of, the, of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Okay, so um, this passage starts with the word behold. And the reason it starts with behold is because Matthew is telling us that something surprising is happening in, uh, in line with kind of what came right before this. And so right before this encounter, um, people were trying to bring little children to Jesus for him to lay his hands on them and bless them and pray over them. And the disciples were not having it. And the disciples were like, he is too important for these little kids. They can't. They can't really pick up what he's putting down. This guy is like, there's not enough time for him to teach and get to everybody. And so we're not wasting time with little kids because they don't know, they can't really appreciate who he is and how amazing he is. And Jesus stops them and says, um, hey, don't hinder these little children from coming to me because it's actually to them that the kingdom of heaven belongs to. And in another passage, uh, he says it a little differently and says, if you, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And so, so what Matthew is doing with this passage when he says, behold, is he's saying, okay, we just left a place where the disciples were like, children, worthless. Um, and now we're going to a guy who is like, this dude, that's who we're going to. Okay, this is the kind of guy that Jesus needs to be going to. He is young, he's wealthy, he's a good man, and he's successful. And so this is not a waste of time. And Matthew's saying, well, they, they're not right. Um, and so he says, um, you know, so, so immediately, like he's talking to us on our value systems of um, Jesus is saying, hey, there's something that these little children have that you need. Um, when you think about little children um, versus an adult, you know, we've, we've learned to be in the world. And so um, we've, we've picked up some guile and some ability to be, you know, street savvy. And we're not always putting our cards on the table and uh, we're self-protective. And we try to get to places where we can control things and control outcomes and manipulate situations. And Jesus is saying, you know, unless you come to me like little children who are just there, they wear their emotions on their sleeves. They're honest. Um, they don't have a problem with not knowing all the answers because they're not supposed to. They're little children. Um, I mean, we could sit here and unpack uh, a lot and it would be very helpful and purposeful to um, stack up the differences between um, children and adults and, and what Jesus is trying to get at here. But for our purposes, we'll just kind of stop there. And we just need to recognize this coming out of the gates that we have an enemy, right? If you are following Jesus, if, I mean, even if you're not following Jesus, if you are a human on this earth, um, you are made in the image of God and God loves you and cares very deeply for you. And there is an enemy who hates God um, and who hates everything that God loves. And so this enemy, because God loves people, um, is always working um, in the world to try to separate us from him. And so uh, a thing that he is doing, we could go back if we had time to Genesis three and see that he's been doing this from the beginning. Um, the enemy is in the world just feeding us poison, um, telling us where life comes from and where freedom comes from. And it's all the things that we have been drinking down our whole lives and, and probably a lot of our answers to that question I asked at the beginning of the service. Um, Life and freedom comes from being wealthy and being successful and having options and being good and having people think well of us, um, having social capital, all of these things. And, and those things aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but what happens is what he is doing is he's trying to tell us, you can't trust God. You have to be God. You have to try to make yourself like God so that you can take care of yourself and you can do things because he might not be there for you and he might not be able to handle all the things that are come, gonna come across your path. And so there's this poison that's just in the well that we all drink from by living every day in this world where um, we are being tempted to think that God is actually a burden and we need to just do whatever we can to get him off of our backs as quickly as possible so that we can go on about our lives. We value independence, we value control, we value ownership. Uh, we think that that's the kind of freedom that we were made for. Uh, but Jesus is, is here saying, no, no, no. It, it's actually a different kind of freedom. It's the freedom of being a little child. And little children don't have a lot of independence and they don't have a lot of control and they don't have a lot of ownership. But what they have is dependence and obedience and lack of worry because they know that somebody else is taking care of them. And they're not always trying to, to manipulate so that they can own or control or, or um, mess with your perception of them to try to craft an image, but they're just, they're just there. They're just interacting with life as it comes to them. And so this man's question to Jesus is, um, 
is revealing that he's been uh, drinking the, the poison that we've been drinking. He comes up to Jesus and he says, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Listen, listen to that, that question. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something to get for myself, to have, to possess eternal life. What, what do I have to do to get God off my back so that he can give me this thing that I want that's going to add to my life and, and make me better? It's going to build my resume um, so that I can, I can level up. And, and eternal life, I think, is this, this thing or this state or this quality, this impersonal state that is going to add to me and make me more perfect and complete. But the thing is, eternal life is union with a person. It's very relational. And it's something that I'm invited to enter into. It's not a thing that I can possess. You know, Jesus... Um, in, another, in another version of what he says about the little children, he says, um, you, unless you receive it like little children. So eternal life is something that I receive. I don't go get for myself. And then what he says here is, if you would enter life, it's this, you're entering into this relationship. It's like the difference between seeing this as like, the paycheck that I get for doing a job versus like a, a birthday party that I get to go to. But this man is completely self-focused, um, which makes love and relationship impossible. And think about this. Jesus says, you know, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And this man says, which ones? Okay, I just want to pause there and say, like, how extremely offensive that is, right? Like, the God of the universe spoke and said, these are the things that I think are important for you to care about. So, all the things that came out of my mouth, because I'm God. So, I don't waste words. I'm not shooting darts and hoping that some of them are important or some of them stick. And this man, I mean, and what, what he reveals is, is just this pragmatism that I live with, too. Like, okay, yeah, 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 God spoke, but now which ones? Like, it's too much. I'm not worried about all of it because I just don't have time to think about everything God said. Which, which of the things that he said are really important? It's this, it's this way that I come to Jesus so much. It's this way that we come to Jesus so much. Is like, it's this like pragmatic religion. It's this box that I check to to be a little better or feel a little better about myself or, or to just kind of be okay. Like, well, what's, okay, what's, what's the things that I need to do to like check this box? Um, but what the reality is, is it's like, I mean, the kingdom of heaven and keeping the commandments and loving God and all this is a package deal. It doesn't work piecemeal. Um, it's like the furniture from Ikea. Like if you get the, the Flügenjorgen chair and that's the only thing that you have from Ikea, it's gonna look weird right? Like you don't get just like one. That's why everything looks great in Ikea because it's surrounded by other weird things from Iceland. But when you get it at home and that's all you have from it, it doesn't work and it's not satisfying. Um, and if you're wondering why you felt the way you felt about your Ikea purchase, that's why. You need to go get more. Um, 
But that's, that's this whole thing is this, this man is coming to Jesus like piecemealing, like, okay, just give me a little bit of that, a little bit of this. Um, and, and Jesus is, is getting him down the road to this place where he's like, it just doesn't, it, you're, no, you're missing the whole thing. It does not work like that. It's not a thing that you do to satisfy a God who you want to get away from you. And then Jesus, so, so when Jesus is, again, so kind, so gracious to answer his question and not obliterate this man, he starts basically giving him the second table of the Ten Commandments. Like the first table of the Ten Commandments is, is our relationship with God. So he just jumps right to the second table of our relationship with each other. And you think about Jesus saying the two greatest commandments, love God with everything that you have and everything that you are, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So he's going right to the neighbor. Um, and to be honest, I don't, I don't know exactly why he does that. Um, but the one, I mean, I have some thoughts, but I don't know for sure. And, but the last thing he says is just kind of that summary, like love your neighbor as yourself. And so this man hears Jesus talk about all these, these commandments that he just lists. And he says, okay, great. Kept all those. I'm like, hmm, okay. Um, the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And there it is. I don't think this man was particularly, I mean, I think he was arrogant. I don't think he realized he was arrogant. Um, I don't think he was lying. I think when he said, I've kept all these commandments, I think he was honestly trying to give an honest evaluation of himself. Like, I am a good man. I have done these things. And, but then he says, what do I still lack? And that's, that's what's really telling. Like, I, I've been living a certain way. I've been trying to follow God a certain way. I've been trying to think about God a certain way and keep commands a certain way. And I lack something. Something is not right. I don't feel complete. I don't feel whole. I don't know what's happening, but something is, is not as it needs to be. And so what, we start, what we're starting to see here, what Jesus is revealing to us through this conversation is um, the watching world would see this wealthy, successful, good young man and think that he is very enviable. And Jesus is saying, that it's actually his wealth, success, goodness, and youth that is the problem. It is all of these things together that is making it very hard for him to find life. And when he says that he still lacks something, living like the way that he is living leaves something to be desired deep in our souls. To be good, to be wealthy, to be successful, to be young, to be self-focused and self-sufficient is um, going to leave us feeling lacking because we are not made to live that way. The very way that this man is trying to approach God and keep the law of God is the very thing that's keeping him from life with God. How amazing is that? <laughs> the very way that he is trying to keep God's law, which is not as... as what God intended with his law at all is actually keeping him from life with God. Ecclesiastes 5.10, Ecclesiastes was a book of wisdom written by King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, who had just enormous resources. And in Ecclesiastes 5.10, he says, 
He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. This is vanity. Like all, this, all of this desire that we have to be okay and be secure and, and we think we're gonna get there through money, through us having enough to kind of function as our own God, um, it's, you're setting yourself up for a massive disappointment. And trust me, I'm Solomon, I'm the wisest man that's ever lived and I have more money than you'll ever have. And I'm telling you that that, that is the truth. And so um, when he gives this response and asks this question in another version of this passage, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus is looking at this man who is so blind and so enslaved and so imprisoned and he just loved him. And he says this, if you would be perfect Go, sell what you possess, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now I want to pause there and ask, how do you hear that from Jesus? I'm not going to ask you to answer that out loud, but just think about how does that hit your ears when Jesus says that? If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. You know, so much of my life, when I've read that verse, I have read it exactly like I think this man heard it, which is, this is another achievement hoop for me to jump through. Jesus is saying, okay, if you really want to prove that you're worthy of eternal life, then you're going to do this thing. Like God's been commanding you to do these things that are like kind of hard. Now I'm asking you to do something very hard. Do you have what it takes? Well, guess what? That is not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying here is not a challenge. It's a prescription from the healer of our souls. It is a deep mercy to this man and to us. And what he is saying to this man, that word perfect means whole. And he's saying, look, I know you feel this lack deep in your soul. And if you would be whole, if you would not feel that lack anymore, um, then listen to me. This wealth that you have that is uh, consuming your thoughts that you think is this, this power that is making you independent and giving you security and giving you comfort and giving you the good life, it's actually the black mold in your house that is killing you. And so when I tell you to go and sell everything and give it to the poor, I'm not asking you to jump through a hoop and you know, complete a task. I'm, giving, I'm writing you a prescription to heal you because this thing that you think is giving you life is killing you. And so I want you to go empty your house of all this stuff that captures your heart, that keeps you from seeing God, that, that keeps you thinking that God is always trying to get a little bit more out of you because that's not who God is. It's warping your vision of God. It's warping your vision of yourself. It's warping your vision of life. And so if you would have life, get rid of it. And I love what he says because he, he doesn't just say get rid of it. He says, then go and give the proceeds to people who are in need. He's connecting him to the very things, you know, loving God and loving other people. He's saying, you can't, you haven't been knowing how to do this. You haven't been able to do this. And I'm writing you a prescription to keep the law the way that God intended is to, to go take this stuff 
and give it to people who aren't going to see it the same way, who are actually, it's meeting their need and you're loving them. And the connection that you have with those people that you're making that transaction with, you will find joy there because you were actually made for that. You were made to live in community and think more about other people than you do yourself. And then I love what he says next. And then you will have treasure in heaven. I know you think this is treasure. It's not treasure. It is dangerous. It is so, so dangerous. First Timothy 6.10, Paul says this, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This thing that you think is saving you is killing you. It is just like stabbing your soul over and over and over again and you're just bleeding out. And, and just wanna pause here. Um, this is why we talk about giving the way that we do at Midtown. You know, this is why we talk about it, period, but this is also why we say that this is not you doing a, a good Boy Scout deed for God. Like God is the um, creator of all things. He runs everything. He is sovereign king over all. He doesn't need anything from us. He's not trying to set up financial meetings with us to talk about our giving and how we could maybe give a little more to help his business. He doesn't need anything from us, but in his infinite wisdom and love, he tells us, this is how I've designed things to go, is you need to give this away to further the purposes of my kingdom, but also to save your own soul from, from living in this place where it's all you think about and you're trying to keep and get more and more and more. It is making you blind. It's killing you. And that's also why um, another, another little um, advertisement mid-sermon is for um, Kid Town. You know, Kid Town is not, um, you know, to, to minister to our kids is not like, ugh, these kids, somebody's going to babysit them. Um, <laughs> like, Kid Town is for them because um, they are little souls who are trying to figure out where they fit in the world and who God is and who they are, and it's a big deal. And, and they're, um, they're sponges. They don't know. They don't know yet um, what all is out there. And they, um, to see a community of men and women who are embodying the gospel, who are telling them the truth, but also living it, who are glad to see them. We don't know what's going on at home, right? So to come to a place where you're experiencing Jesus, that's huge, but guess what? That's not all it's there for, it's there for us. Like we need to be with them for us because we don't know how to be little, little children. When Jesus says, um, unless you become like little children, you can't enter the kingdom of God, we should be really concerned because we don't know how to be little children. And we need them to remind us what it is to enjoy being alive and being honest and not running everything we say and do through 50 filters to make sure that everybody thinks we're great. 
like we are drinking the same poison that, that this really successful guy is drinking. And, and, it, and it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, that we can be healed. Um, that's not something we can do in our own power. Jesus says in, in Matthew 6, um, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because they're going to break your heart. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither, uh, where it can't be destroyed and thieves can't steal it. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. And if your treasure is here and your heart's here, um, you're going to be really sad. And you're going to miss life. And then the last part of this is beautiful. You know, once you do this, then come follow me. He's, he's inviting this man to be with him. Come be my friend. Come live with me. Come, come do life with me and, and learn from me and enjoy being with me. And, and wrapped up in that is, um, hey, let me take care of you. Because you know what? You weren't meant to carry the weight of taking care of your life by yourself. Let, let me be your God. Let me be your savior. Let me take care of you. Come and, come and follow me. Um, and I want to believe that this is not the last time that this man thought about Jesus. I want to believe that um, I'm going to see him one day. But at this juncture, um, he went away sad. He went away very sad um, because he had great possessions. Um, translated, he went away very sad because um, he was filled with things that blinded him and he couldn't see. He couldn't see, he couldn't hear the beautiful invitation that Jesus was giving him to life. And man, like that has been a, uh, a deeply convicting thing for me this week as I've thought about this passage of um, how much life I've spent and maybe how much I'm spending right now being blinded and deaf to so much of what Jesus has for me because of what I'm surrounded with. It's the golden handcuffs. Um, and here's the crazy thing. When, when he heard this exchange, this suggestion, um, give this away and get this in return, like here's evidence of how enslaved he was. He thought he was actually losing something. He thought he was actually losing in the deal. I'm not taking the deal. That's, that is how <laughs> enslaved he is and how enslaved I am when I operate that way. And, and I want us to know that Jesus is not telling every one of us to go sell everything that we own. But I am saying if you just breathe the deep sigh of relief, then he might be telling you to do that. Because every time we come to this passage, we're like, okay, but it's just that guy, <laughs> right? Please. Yeah, I had a, uh, it's amazing how God does this every week. Um, I had multiple conversations this week in some form or fashion where somebody was in a really hard place and they felt like they were uh, in a bad place and they needed to get out as fast as possible. I have one friend who's just in an extremely 
difficult situation. He's from another country. He has visa issues. He doesn't know how he's going to make ends meet because he can't work right now. So many things. And, and maybe for the only week of the year that I could think straight on those things, I was able to, to, to realize, oh, they're actually maybe in an enviable place. Maybe I'm the one that needs to be concerned because they're in a place where they can receive, where this is good news. Um, and so as, as this man goes away sad, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, um, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, it's like a camel going through an eye of a needle. And that was like a common saying back then because they took the biggest animal they could think of and the smallest space they could think of. And people just said, basically, that was like slang for, yeah, that's impossible. And the reason it's so difficult, why this, I want your interaction with this. Why is it difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? He's too big. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. It's really hard when you have possessions, when you're not in destitute uh, circumstances to enter the kingdom of heaven because you're too big. You're too big. And when he says it's only with great difficulty that somebody with great possessions, and great possessions, by the way, just means that you have a little extra after you've gotten your food and a roof over your head, so most of us are in that boat. The reason it only happens with great difficulty is because um, who would think that God would make himself small for us? Because that's not something we can do ourselves. Um, the only way that anyone with any resources is gonna enter the kingdom of heaven is for Jesus to do what he told this man to do. Um, Jesus is always only tells us what he is willing to do first. And in this, in this situation, what he says to the man is what he is doing as he is telling this to the man. Go and give everything away to the poor because that is what he has done. He has left heaven. He has left his comfort. He has left his security and he has come and put on flesh and he is giving himself all the way down to the bone. He is giving himself away to the poor, which is us, to make us rich and to give us resources and to give us what we need and to give us life with him. That is the gospel, is that this God would make himself small and give everything away, this rich young ruler, this king of the universe, uh, to give us life and to actually make us wealthy. Um, and so, so today we get to celebrate this. Um, we get to experience this in a tangible way by coming to the table. And um, Jesus, on the night he was uh, betrayed and, and was going to, the, going to the cross, eventually he um, was celebrating the Passover with his disciples in the upper room. And um, at this meal, he broke the bread and he said, um, this bread is my body that's broken for you. Um, Essentially, he's saying, this is me giving my resources away. I'm giving myself away so that you can feed on me, so that you can have life. And he poured out the wine, and as he gave them the wine, he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you um, for the forgiveness of sins. This is the wine, the blood of a new covenant, a new covenant that we have with God through Jesus, where he has paid for all of our sin, and we stand in the presence of God, adopted children, 
dearly loved um, for all eternity because of what Jesus has done, who he was, and what he's given us in the great exchange. He's taken our sin, he has given us his righteousness, um, and our, our union with him is fixed forever. And so the wine that we drink is not the wine of God's wrath, it's the wine of the great wedding feast where we will be with him for all eternity, treasures in heaven. And so um, if you are someone who recognizes that you are actually poor and that you need a savior and that Jesus is that savior, then he invites you to come to this table. Come and, and buy wine and milk and rich food without money, without cost, um, and be satisfied. And so uh, the way we do that here is we'll come up to the kneelers. You're welcome to to spend as much time as you want here. Um, put out your hands when you're ready to receive the elements. And uh, you can also ask, um, put up a hand or just ask us for prayer. That's a very normal, healthy thing. Um, so uh, I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna keep worshiping. Uh, Jesus, thank you for um, coming and, and giving us life and showing us life and inviting us into life and then giving us the power to respond to your invitation. I pray that you do that for all of us today, Lord. Um, that you would increase our faith, um, that you would open our, our whole beings to who you are and the treasure that is you. In Jesus' name, amen.